as you're being seated, uh, go ahead and ro- open up to Romans chapter 8. We'll be in 26 through 28 today. We'll be looking at the second part of two parts of groaning to glory. We've got some visitors and we have faces who were out last week. I trust some of you would listen online. But it's important that we look into a recap before we move forward into our third groan, is what I would call it. Our third groan. The last week, our main point, our main thought is, though we groan together, we groan with this assurance, this assurance of hope, and that we are going to be uh, manifested as sons of God into this new, redemptive, perfect, new earth, new heaven, and body. But until that day, we are groaning. We are groaning as a people after God, as a church. We are groaning with creation. We learned last week that in this two-part series, there will be three groans. One about creation and how it longs for perfection. It longs to do what it's created to do in perfect glory, and that is worship God. And then we join in with creation as we wait and as we eager and as we anticipate the longing and the redemption and us may be made complete in our weaknesses and in our sufferings and our ailments and all of the above. This morning we turn our attention to a third groaning. And this third groaning is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. We learned last week that to groan is to express deep grief. It's a way to express anger, but it's also a way to express desire, a longing for something. At, all, at some point in our lives, or even today, we have groaned. And I will make light of this note because I am wearing my LSU gear that many of us are desiring and groaning to beat the Crimson Tide so bad. Somebody brought this statistic to mind that my son at six years old has not seen LSU beat Alabama. And I know this is light compared to eternity. And I know that it's temporal. And us LSU fans want to see us beat Nick Saban at the core. I know it. Any LSU fan would agree with that. But I know I make light of our groaning and our suffering to start this morning. Because last week's message was heavy. But it was hopeful. And we're going to continue in that thought. It will be a heavy message. But there's going to be so much comfort knowing that the Spirit of God is working for us with us and fighting with us and helping us groan until glory. We're all there and we've all been there. We're going to look at our passage and as we continue on this line of thought about groaning and we turn our attention to the third point, we must remember that to persevere in this present suffering, you and I, with hope, we must keep our eyes on what was promised last week, future glory. That this life here on earth is temporary. Thank God. Thank God. I want to pray. And I like to do that. And I want us to bring our minds in to where we are specifically personally. Where are you groaning in your life? What are you working out right now? Whether it's a rhythm for your family. 
whether it's an ailment or sickness, whether it's continued education or a business investment, your marriage, friendships, all of us can right now when I present that question can pinpoint an area in our life that we're just working out in us what the will of God is. Can y'all pray right now? Take a moment. Think about that thought that's in your mind. Let's tune our hearts to what God wants to reveal to you this morning. And let's move forward in our passage together. Let's pray. Heavenly Fathers, as we all zone in on a particular area of our life, Father, whether it be temporary or whether it be eternal, someone's salvation, whether it be a marriage or a decision in work, Father, whether it be something that is certain and inevitable or something that's uncertain and we must work it out in our race, Father, we trust you. Lord, I pray that each individual in this room now will find comfort in the scriptures we're about to read. They will find comfort in the testimonies and stories that we'll observe. Father, they will continue to find comfort in your church and the promises that we are able to experience on this side of heaven Holy Spirit, we ask that you tune our minds and our hearts and guide us to the will of the Father. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, It is well, it is well with my soul. But Lord, tis for thee, for thy coming we wait. For the sky, not the grave, is our goal. O trump of the angel, O voice of the Lord, blessed hope, blessed rest of my soul. And Lord, haste the day when the faith shall be sight. The clouds be rolled back as a scroll. The trump shall resound, and the Lord shall descend. Even so, it is well with my soul. It is well, it is well, it is well with my soul. Horatio Spafford, he was a successful lawyer, businessman. He was found living in Chicago with a lovely family, a wife, Anna, and five children. However, they were not stranger to tears and tragedy. Their young son died with pneumonia in 1871. In the same year, their business was lost to the great Chicago fire. And God, in his mercy and kindness, allowed the business to flourish once more. November 21st of 1873, there was a French ocean liner crossing the Atlantic from the U.S. 
to Europe with 313 passengers on board. Among these passengers were Miss Spafford and their four daughters. Although Mr. Spafford was planned to go with his family, he found it necessary to stay in Chicago to help solve an unexpected business problem. He told his wife he would join her and their children in Europe a few days later. His plan was to take another ship. Four days into crossing the Atlantic, they collided with a powerful iron hull Scottish ship. And suddenly, all of those on board were in grave danger. Anna, the mother, hurriedly brought her four children to the deck. She knelt there with her four children and prayed that God would spare them if that could be his will or to make them willing to endure whatever waited for them. Within approximately 12 minutes, the ship slipped beneath the dark waters of the Atlantic, carrying with it 226 of the passengers, including the four Spafford children. A sailor rowing a small boat over the spot where the ship went down spotted a woman floating on a piece of wreckage. It was Anna the mother still alive. He pulled her into the boat and they were picked up by another large vessel and nine days later, they landed in Cardiff Wells. From there, she wired her husband a message which began, Saved alone, what shall I do? Mr. Spafford later framed the telegram and placed it in his office. Another of the ship's survivors, a pastor Weiss, Later recalled Anna saying, God gave me four daughters. Now they have been taken from me. Someday I will understand why. Mr. Spafford, he booked a passage immediately for the next available ship and left and joined his grieving wife. With the ship about four days out, the captain called Spafford to his cabin and told him they were over the place where their children went down. According to Bertha Spafford Vester, a daughter born after the tragedy, Spafford wrote, It is well with my soul. Anna gave birth to three more children, one which died at the age four with dreaded pneumonia. In August 1881, the Spaffords moved to Jerusalem, and Mr. Spafford died and is buried in that city. Many of us we're familiar with that course. Very familiar with that course because that course in moments of our weakness, in moments of our misunderstanding, it makes its appearance. It settles in our minds. It guides our hearts. And God uses it to give us comfort in this course. And he reminds us that it's okay. It is well with our souls. Mr. Spafford would not know the impact of his tragedy. But it was his tragedy, not just his tragedy, but it was his tragedy plus obedience. And to know obedience, we must pray. We must pray even when we do not understand what God is doing. You and I as a church experience these great hymns that were birthed out of big and deep pain that give us comfort. 
God is not, you do not know right now what God is doing with your story. We do not know the future. But one thing as Christians, we need to know and do the will of God. How many times have we found ourselves puzzled in a situation with wordless prayers? What shall I do as the wife Anna? What shall I do, God? What are you doing? We find ourselves with the most common question, why, 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 why? We're all familiar with it. But in today's message, in Romans chapter 8, 26 through 28, we will be brought on into this encouragement that we will experience from our text. We will learn five of the following things about a friend that we have. A friend who knows us in our weakness. We have a friend who knows how to pray. We have a friend who searches the inner workings of our heart to know our motives. We have a friend who knows the will of God. And we have a friend who is working all things out for God's glory. And that friend is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is groaning with you and I. It is interceding on our behalf when we are wordless and puzzled without prayers to be said. Because we do not understand. So let's read our passage together. Let's continue in this two-part message about groaning. We learned that creation and the Christian will groan, but now the Spirit groans. Likewise, in verse 26 of Romans chapter 8, likewise the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to to the will of God. And in verse 28, one we turn to so often, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. That's our three scriptures for this morning. It begins with likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. And it starts with likewise there because it is, it is reminding us, Paul is reminding us here is that you're not the only ones. A part and a person of God is groaning with you and for you for his glory. Likewise, the Spirit is praying for us. It is groaning with creation, specifically, church, in our weakness. In our weakness, we do have a friend who knows us in our weakness. When I, as a pastor, fail you, when your husband or your spouse fails you, when your friend doesn't live up to the expectation that you had for them, the Holy Spirit and the God who calls us son and calls us daughter and saints does not fail us. He knows us when we are weak. He knows us when we don't have the words to pray. Because he is a friend who knows how to pray for us. In our weakness, 
but we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groaning too deep for words. How often when we look in our prayers, we look to pray for what we believe is best according to our flesh. I I get it. I get it. We want the nature that many we want the nature and the natural order to play out in our life we want things to be right so does creation but we know because of sin of man we learned last week that sometimes that's not how it plays and as we want these things to play out and we do the best to pray sometimes it's and most of the time it's according to our flesh but thank god the holy spirit knows how to pray for what is best for his glory for the god of the creator of the universe for his glory and not ours to trust we want the healing i can't how many times have we prayed for it we want it and we want it in our own lives but the holy spirit and god himself sees it play in a different way. He sees the story unfolding a different way that we can't understand. So we need the Spirit to pray for us in our weakness. Because how many times have we found in those moments of weakness and making decisions when these outside pressures of the world and the system of the world, the finances and the, all the things that this all, the world offers and the good of God's graces just pile on us as weight after weight after weight. And we think we know what's right, but we don't. We have a friend who knows us in our weakness. And that same friend prays for us. Find comfort in that this morning. But it goes to say that there's these groanings too deep for words. The Spirit is interceding for us. Before we move into how the Spirit is able to pray for us in verse 27, I want to look at this little, this part of the passage here. If I could, and I want to correct some of your thinking. Many people teach that this portion of Scripture is, is, talks about the gift of tongues. It talks about speaking in tongues. But look at this. Did you notice that the Spirit's petition are making groanings that are too deep for words? Follow along with me. Though some have suggested that this specific passage is referring to praying in tongues, I don't see how it fits in the context here. And here's why. For one thing, the Spirit is praying, not the people. Spirit's praying on our behalf, not us. For another, this prayer is not expressed in words. It's too deep for words. So that alone, to me, shows that this text for us this morning, when you hear people use it out of context, you're able to frame it in the right context to apply it to you biblically. We must understand that the Spirit is praying without words here. As practical as that is, it obviously has nothing to do with tongues. I know that's a side note, but it's an important side note. Because I can't tell you how often I've heard it 
being used the wrong way. So if that's your line of thinking this morning, you've actually used it to promote such thing, correct yourself. And if that sits with you wrong, let's talk about it. Let's work it out. But to get on to more important things than what the context and what this scripture is about, is we have a friend who knows us in our weakness, knows us and how to pray for us. And how does he know to pray for us? Look at verse 27. And he, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. We have a friend who searches our heart. We have a friend who knows the motive of our prayers. Thank God. Because when we are found in our flesh, hoping for what's best for us, he goes to the Lord on our behalf. Yes. And he knows because he searches our heart. He is a searcher and knows all of our hearts, but also knows the will of God. Wouldn't you want that helper, that counselor, to please pray for me? You know the will of the God that I worship? Please pray for me. But church, how often do you find yourself there? In your weakness and uncertainty and unknowing, how often do you find yourself in that puzzled state? Spirit of God, pray for me. On your knees, on your face, whatever posture it brings you to. Nothing around you in solitude in your closet saying, God, Holy Spirit, I need the will of God to manifest itself in my life. Because if he knows the will of God, God will not turn him down. He already knows what's best for your life. He is a person in the Trinity of God. God always answers the request of the Holy Spirit in confidence. Since the Spirit is always praying according to the will of God, God will bless what the Spirit is doing. Our responsibility here, church, is to believe this and to pray this and to take our minds, as we learned a few weeks back, and set our mind on the things of the Holy Spirit. We've been working through the Spirit of God working out in our lives over the last few weeks. Now as Paul is telling us, trust the Holy Spirit because it searches the motive of your heart and knows your heart and knows the will of God. Should we go any more in our prayer life? Should we look any harder than the Word of God and what the Spirit of God is doing for us? No, that's it. It is that simple. He is a friend and helper who knows the will. And then number five, this, we have a friend who are working out things for God's glory. Look at verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. We do not know right now what God is doing in us. But one thing we do know 
is that he's doing it for his glory. And that is good. This third groaning that we're talking about, this Holy Spirit, he's groaning on our behalf, petitioning on our behalf. He is looking into the sin of our life and our problems and our trials and our pain and our weaknesses and sin. And he is longing for the day that we are delivered from all of these things. We are delivered from the pain and God is forever and ever in perfection. And we get to experience holiness and joy. This is the promise we have. But until then, we have a friend who knows the will of God and is working everything out for the glory of God the Holy Spirit. We cannot neglect this anymore, church. As I joked a few weeks back, specifically in my Baptist heritage and my friends, it is Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. It is three in one working together. We cannot disconnect from the source as we learned a few weeks back. We have the Word We have God the Father and the saving work of Christ and the counsel and help and prayers of the Holy Spirit. We take advantage of all three because these are blessings of God's grace. Like creation, the Spirit, He looks forward to the day of redemption when God Himself in His sons and in His daughters we will all experience glory, just future glory. We know that right now, in this last and third groaning, it's okay. It's okay to groan, but it's not okay to groan without hope. It's not okay to groan without tuning and putting our mind and setting it on the Spirit of God. Where are you this morning in your prayer life? Are you approaching the Heavenly Father correctly? Are you aligning yourself with His will in your life? God's gracious even in our self-affliction when we make the wrong decisions. But we must recognize that in repentance. The Spirit knows the will of God for your life in your situation where you are now. We must understand that it's okay to groan, but we cannot groan without hope. We can have no words. It's okay to groan and to pray without words. But we must turn to the Spirit who prays on our behalf. But we also must remember Matthew chapter 6, the Lord's Prayer. When we are without words, that is a starting point. This is a place that is clear in scriptures. Jesus says, pray then like this. And he goes, we pray it every Wednesday night with our children. Hallowed be your name. And then that next line, your kingdom come, your will be done. Start there if you're lost with words. Worship his holiness and then say, God, your will be done. I have no idea what's going on. And trust him. Trust him. We must sit and listen and trust 
the Holy Spirit to pray for us. Are you doing that this morning, church? That sitting part is hard in our, how we live our life today. Another very practical way and note that I practice in my life is focus on what you know to pray about. Focus on what you know to pray about. And the things you do not understand, trust the Holy Spirit. Rely on the Holy Spirit. Because we must persevere in this present suffering. That's part of who we are as Christians. The difference between you and I, as we learned last week, the believer and non-believer, is that when we watch these sufferings, we see the work of God. We can recognize it as the work of God working out in us. But the non-believer cannot. We can trust the Holy Spirit. And Christian, as a church, we are destined for glory. As the Bible describes it, this brilliance, really, it can't describe, it's indescribable to a degree, of this brilliance and beauty Our exalted position in Christ, perfect holiness, no sin, unlimited joy and happiness, no more pain, no more hurt, just Jesus Christ in radiant glory. That's where we put our eyes, that's where we fix ourselves on this hope when we are working out this present suffering. And like Mr. Spafford, we do not know what God will do with our stories later. But we do know that God will bring glory to his name. And we must quickly turn that question of why as if we're crucifying it and start asking, what are you doing, God, right now with me? I will be patient in my suffering and in my weakness. Trust the Spirit of God and see you made big and you most glorified in whatever is going on in my life. That's what I want. That's where we need to be, church. But that takes patience and trust and learning and waiting that he is working out for his promised glory. That's good for us, our perspective. And I wanted to comfort you with these two things as we start to close up. Do you realize that in our prayers, and even when we're not focused in prayer, that we have two divine beings, if you will, intercession, interceding for you and I? The Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, prays for you and I. The Holy Spirit prays for you and I, church. Are you disconnected from that power and that comfort this morning? If you are, repent and return to it, because it is good. Find yourself daily trusting So that you and I can find not only comfort, but joy amongst the sorrow and our grieving and our groaning. Suffering can be made meaningless. And that's when we focus on the one who is the author of our story. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved... Now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, listen to this, we shall be like him. For we shall see him 
as he is. There is a day that all this is coming to a head. And I hope this morning that you're on the right side. I hope this morning that you're trusting the promises that have been laid out to us the last two weeks. The promise that the Holy Spirit is praying on your behalf. That he is a friend. And he is a friend that knows you in your weakness. He's a friend that knows how to pray. He's a friend that searches your heart and knows the will of God and trusts that he's going to work it out for God's glory. Why would we not lean in and listen to the Holy Spirit? Let's be obedient, church. Let's listen closely. Let's pray. Let's trust God that he is working out every area in your life. He loves you that much. He does. Let's pray. Father, as we wrapped up this groaning to glory, what such good truth and promise. And as we sing and as we respond in our hearts and go outside these four walls, I pray, God, that it is convicting. I pray that the, your message to your people was clear. And then, Lord, that it's not just clear, that it's contagious. Lord, guide us, take us out of these four walls to share about this hope that we have, the good news, the gospel. Continue to share our stories. Share how you worked out in our faith and trusting you, how you worked things out for your good, for the good of us and for your glory. Thank you for giving us a friend, a counselor and helper. Thank you for sending us a Savior, Jesus Christ. And thank you for being our Father. A Father who cares so much about the inner workings of our heart and the details of our life. May we learn to glorify you. For we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.